We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And we're coming to you after Team USA finally, mercifully, <laughs> wins an exhibition basketball game. Team USA going to defeat Argentina. This comes after losing to Nigeria and then Australia in their first two exhibition games. Now, the reason we're talking about this is because for the first time uh, since, I guess, 2016, come to think of it, when the Bulls had Jimmy Butler, uh, he was still a member of the team at that point, right? On the the Olympic run? Yeah, he was. Was Uh, he on that team? I don't even remember. Honestly, it was so long ago. (laughs) uh, Zach Levine on Team USA. He did not play a ton through the first couple exhibition games. Today, he started in place of Jason Tatum. Zach looked pretty good in this slam over an Argentinian defender. It was just absolutely beautiful. Classic Zach Levine. Uh, If you haven't seen the highlight yet, it is only a simple search away all over the internet. I'm sure it's going to be plastered anywhere you get your sports news. So, uh, Good to see Zach sort of make his mark for the first time for Team USA. Uh, Team USA will be leaving for Tokyo in the Olympics pretty soon. It's a team that, you know, after losing those two exhibition games, Jason, certainly a lot of question marks. Uh, Me and you were coming into this saying, well, you know, Zach Levine, he hasn't done a lot of winning in his NBA career. He's never won four games in a row. Australia, I mean, we hope Team USA can win four games in a row if they can, and that would just be the ultimate salt on the wound for Zach Levine's national team experience. But uh, good to see him at least make his mark in this game. And uh, what, what did you think of uh, Levine's performance tonight? Yeah, first of all, I got his final line here, courtesy of our guy Rob Schaefer over at NBC Sports Chicago. 15 points, five assists, three rebounds, one steal, one turnover, five of eight shooting. One of two from three, four or five from the line, and a plus 26 in 24 minutes. So 
Uh, obviously, a really stellar overall performance for Zach. You mentioned the highlight dunk. He had a few really nice dunks. The one, the one where basically I named the the episode after this was just an absolute hammer poster dunk over I don't know some poor Argentinian sap. Uh, it was really impressive. He did. He had a few other nice dunks moving off the ball. Uh, had a nice. Uh, I know Draymond hit him with one of the passes. I can't remember who hit him with the first pass. The nice off ball movement. I mean, just Team USA in general, just moving the ball much better today. They had a ton of assists. It helps when you actually do hit shots, but uh, I mean, just a solid overall performance from the offense. Zach did have some moments in that first, uh, in the first half where he was getting hunted on defense. He wound up by trying to guard Luis Scola and like Gabriel Deck in the in the post a few times. It was not going well for him, but I I thought in general his defensive effort at least was mostly there. Uh, we know he's he's not really a post defender, so like Luis Scola, who first of all shout out to Luis Scola for being like forty some years old, looking uh hot and swole out there like I remember Louis Scola just a big goofball with his floppy hair and now he's like uh just still kicking looking great out there like 40 41 years old so shout out to Louis Scola still 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 playing really well but yeah Zach's first really good game that the first game against Nigeria he had that injury he got I think he hurt his ankle he did come back uh, and then he was that that last play against Nigeria where everything got kind of fucked up and he ended up with the ball missed missed the clutch free throw and then he only played, I think, like 12 minutes against Australia, where an Aust- Team USA just got roasted by Australia in the second half after going up nine at halftime. So it was nice to see him get the start today with Tatum was out with like a knee, like knee soreness. I don't think it's anything uh, bad, but Zach came out uh, with the starters today and Team USA just came out looking much better, raining from three. Uh, he had some nice, he had a nice drive and kick to Bradley Beal. He had a nice three early. I mentioned the dunks. Uh, so just, like you said, really nice to see him play well. This should be a really good experience for Zach. We, we kind of talked a little about this, just getting to play with these other star players. I know we all, we t- talk about like the recruiting aspect and just being around all these guys. I know our guy Darnell Mayberry at the Athletic wrote a thing today about Zach's uh, just time with the with Team USA and what he can learn, what he can benefit from, just getting pointers from some of these other great players, the recruiting aspect and all that. So, uh, solid performance, fun performance from him tonight, and just Team USA in general winning by. Almost 30 points against Argentina after two, uh, quite frankly, embarrassing efforts. And I, Rick, I know, Ricky, you wrote about Team USA and just like the composition of this team after and there was some of the panic. Uh, I, I feel like I saw people criticizing like Zach being on this team and him getting minutes. Uh, so I, just, gen, I general thoughts that they're one and two now uh, after these three exhibition games. I think they have two left. I think they got one more against Australia and then I think one more one against Spain before they go to Tokyo. So I guess just general thoughts on this Team USA roster. Uh, they are missing Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. And I think those guys will help. So I guess just talk a bit about the column you wrote today, this team roster in general, and any other thoughts about Zach's place on this roster? Yeah, well, let's start off by saying Team USA should absolutely win the gold medal yeah. in the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, clearly, they have the most talented roster out of any team in the tournament. Uh, they should win every game, and they should probably win every game handily. That should be the expectation going into the Olympics. Will that happen? I don't think so. Probably not. I think, I think that you know the rest of the world is really, really good. I think they play with perhaps a little bit more cohesion than the Americans do. This team in particular feels like it was very much band-aided together, pieced together, just by you know trying to take all of the best pure talents they could. Of course, the Americans are entering this tournament after an absolute disaster in the 2019 World Cup when they came in seventh. They lost to France, and then they lost the next game to Serbia. 
Uh, From that team to still be on this squad are Jason Tatum and Chris Middleton. Of course, the Americans have not had Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday or Devin Booker while those guys are competing in the NBA Finals, but they will be on the roster flying to Tokyo as soon as the Finals are complete. So, you know, I thought this from the moment the, the roster was announced. I think one thing we see in the playoffs every year is that you really want a team that has a lot of different skills and skill sets on the team. And when I look at this American roster, I'm just not really sure I see that. And uh, Now, I want to say that I'm so happy for Zach Levine for making this team. It clearly means a lot to him. If you yeah. read quotes about being selected, he said something like, oh, there was no way I would ever turn this down. I was so excited to get the call. Of course, you know, a year earlier, he wasn't even selected for like the 44-person minicamp, you know, as sort of like a trial run to make the team. So really happy for Zach for getting on this team. But I do think it's a little curious that he's very much in a similar boat to Levine in terms of skill set. All three of those guys are about the same size. They're all score-first guards with three-level scoring ability. I would say that you know, Zach, he's probably the second best three-point shooter out of that group. He, he might have a case as the best. Uh, Beal, obviously a very talented three-point shooter. Booker is a little underwhelming, especially compared to where his reputation is. Uh, and none of those three guys are really known as sharp decision makers, as passers, and none of them are known as strong defensive players. So that's what sort of jumps out to me about the composition of this American roster. Is I think that there is a lot of skill overlap in the skill that they really went for was isolation scoring. Yeah. I think, you know, it's a lot of just straight bucket getters. Like uh, their only real nominal point guard point guard, but uh, you know, so Dame is a straight bucket getter, right? He's a score first point, guard, not someone who's going to try to set up his teammates before he looks to establish his own offense. No, he's wired to score. And so that's who you have at point guard. Then you got Beal starting at the two. Okay, Damon Beal have to be the worst defensive backcourt for two superstar players you could possibly imagine. And I think, you know, both of those guys, to a certain extent, have sort of escaped criticism defensively, especially Damian Lillard, who's truly one of the worst defensive players in this league. I think that, you know, that's going to be a harsh spotlight on both of those guys as the two starting guards, Uh, you know, just play up and defend their position. Uh, Certainly Beal, you know, classic shooting guard, not someone who's ever really been confused as a point guard. Uh, Obviously spent, you know, the early years of his career playing with John Wall, always operated as an off-ball scorer. Then you got Kevin Durant, you have Jason Tatum, you have Chris Middleton. All of these guys are terrific isolation scorers. And I think Team USA right now is set to play a lot of isolation basketball. Now, uh, to me, that makes them pretty vulnerable, just in the sense that they don't have uh, really anyone who's going to set them up for easy buckets. Like, they still have guys like, you know, KD who can get a bucket on basically every possession coming off one of the great recent playoff runs we've seen uh, that, you know, if his foot wasn't on the line, the Nets might be on their way to a championship right now. Who knows? So, uh that, that, I think, is a big red flag. And then just the lack of size is so right. appalling, too. You got, Why is Kevin Love on this team? So, yeah, I was going to get to that. But yeah. first of all, Adebayo. Bam Adebayo. You know, I wrote this in my column today. I was going through, like, a lot of the top centers around the NBA. Almost none of them were born in America. And the ones that were, like Carl Anthony Towns, 
Uh, he has played international basketball career. So the pickings were sort of slim at center. They take Adebayo, which obviously he's the best American center right now. There's no doubt about that. But don't forget, dude, before the Heat made the finals in the bubble, Bam was starting a power forward next to Myers Leonard for the entire <laughs> really his first year is a full-time five so he's undersized as a five you know he's 6'9 250 255 obviously he's a guy with a huge wing uh he should have the physical attributes to go up against anyone they see in the tournament i suppose but they don't really have much depth behind him you have draymond green you have i guess durant is probably going to have to slide to the five and see some unwelcome physicality for him with the fiba rules the refs will let you play a little bit more uh you got Jeremy Grant. I guess he's never been considered a five, but they might need to throw him out there. And then you have Kevin Love. And Kevin Love's inclusion on this team, I think he's just straight garbage. <laughs> Started taking NBA players dating back to 1992 with Christian Leitner. I think that Love's inclusion on this team is an absolute joke. It, to me, it is a sign of being way overconfident in your own abilities. They wanted to take him basically as like a locker room guy and as someone who's been on the team before and honestly as their proverbial white guy. And it's totally insulting because they have real areas on this team that could stand to be improved, most notably size in the front court. I threw out a couple guys out there in my column today, and people are going to be laughing at these names, but I said Jared Allen. Why isn't Jared Allen someone who could have been on this team? Why isn't Raekwon Holmes, the, pro- the pride of Lockport, Illinois, out of Moraine Valley Community College, my hometown community college? That'd be, that'd be Rashawn Holmes, but go ahead. <laughs> he had a great year uh, this year for the Kings, and is going to be a free agent, probably going to command a lot of money. Uh, Miles you know, Turner? So, like, Evan, well, Miles Turner's hurt. He's coming oh, off. Is a he? Total. Okay, I, I totally missed that. <laughs> but I said Nyeko Kangwu. I said Evan Mobley. These are guys who could have potentially been in line to get drafted. But yeah, they really should use that spot on either another big center with size, Brooke Lopez, another guy. You know, if you're going to take Middleton and Holiday, like I'd probably rather have Lopez on this team than either of those guys. Now, Lopez was on the 2019 team. that pairing in the international setting and they figured well we want to go small spread the floor with shooting and speed uh but i mean the love inclusion on this team is just totally insulting to be honest so uh yeah i think that uh they should still win the gold medal but the australians whooped their ass and joe ingle said after the game he's like yeah we expected to win this game like we went into this game thinking we could win and listen australia's loaded with, you know, NBA caliber talent. I think they had seven guys on their yep. team, or seven guys who play in the league. That's even without Ben Simmons. That's without Josh Giddy, who I wrote a feature on last week at SB Nation, the next great Australian hope. And because of FIBA rules, you know, there's no three in the key. And most importantly, the refs aren't bailing out the Americans on all these foul drawing tactics that they're so used to getting in NBA level play. You know, there's so many clips going around the internet from that game of like Damian Lillard, basically flopping, hoping for a call and not getting it. I think that's something they're going to have to adjust to. So it's just sort of an interesting way to build the roster. Now, if it was me, I think that what this team is doing is trying to talent that is going to want to compel 
that you know their peers to play alongside them you know four years from now eight years from now whatever it is I can't believe Zion's not on this team and maybe they tried to take him I don't really know what the situation with that is he's never played for Team USA on any of the junior teams uh before this Jason Tatum I I first wrote about Jason Tatum when he was in like the U17 tournament and this was like you know probably six years ago now or something seven years ago uh but Obviously, USA Basketball is a long history. Zion wasn't really part of any of those junior teams. He should have been the number one guy they tried to get on this team, to me. Just as a bridge from the present to the future, bring him off the bench. Honestly, he could have been their backup center, given the lack of size yeah. on the team right now. They're going to play Draymond as a backup center. Uh, they should have got either Trey Young or John Morant. And I threw out LaMelo Ball there, too. It's just like... Guys who everyone wants to play with, guys who could make the Olympics cool from an NBA player's perspective, and guys who could not only fill a role on the team now, but sort of like, you know, be a bridge from the present to the future. You got to figure this is KD's last Olympics. You got to figure Lillard's not playing again. Uh, Draymond's in his 30s. Beal, somewhat surprisingly, only 28. And I think, you know, with Tatum and with Booker, and also Levine, too. They probably view those guys as like, oh, these are like the next rising young stars in America who can be sort of the foundational future of our team. But I don't know if anyone's signing up to play with Devin Booker. You know what I mean? Like, get Zion. Get Ja. Get, like, that generation of guys. I, think I, I saw Ja tweeting be- today about uh, his... I, 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 was, I think there was, like, was obviously, like, they're missing a couple guys right now. I saw Ja tweeting about this game, about, uh, uh, like, not being on this team. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, he's, he's definitely made some comments about it. He's he's probably not too happy about it. Yeah, so those are just sort of my uh, – those are just sort of my thoughts on the construction of the team. And, you know, I would honestly, like, if I could bet on it right now, USA or the field for the gold medal, I think I would take the field, Jason. And it sounds blasphemous, but – this team has a lot of holes skill set wise. Clearly, they don't have much continuity and they don't have much rhythm playing together yet. Now, that can change as it goes on. But, you know, what you want is an array of different skill sets. And I'm going to tie this back to the U19 tournament. You guys, even if you're not a huge nerd like me, watching the FIBA Junior tournaments, which I watch every team championship, it was Team USA led by Chet Holmgren. Oh, yeah. Going to be going to Gonzaga next year. Will be in contention to be the number one pick in the draft. Going against France in the title game, led by Victor Wembayama, who people are calling the best prospect since LeBron. Seven foot three, 17 year old, playing two years up on France. Just an incredible talent by any measure. Uh, some of the things Wemby was doing in that game were just like absolutely blowing your mind for someone at that size, at that age. Uh, the Americans took a kid on that team by the name of Kenneth Lofton Jr., not the son of the former baseball player. I was wondering that. He's a Louisiana Tech forward, and he is just a short, chubby, low-post scorer. And when they took him on the team, I was like, why did they take this kid? They cut plenty of other players with bigger names and bigger profiles to take Kenneth Lofton Jr. I'm like, what? what were they thinking with this pick? Well, Kenneth Lofton Jr. gave them something that no one else on the team could give them, and that is awesome interior scoring. And they pretty much won that game against France in the championship game because of Kenneth Lofton Jr.'s interior scoring. And it's not really 
to say that, you know, he individually is so special or anything. Certainly it was a fun moment to watch kind of an underdog story rise up and become a, you know, a rooting interest on a national level in a youth tournament like that. But really, I just think it speaks to the need to diversify skill sets on your team instead of what the Americans did in constructing this senior Olympic team, which was just give us all the best bucket getters, give us all the best isolation scorers, and we're going to try to figure it out by hitting tough shots. Interesting, an interesting experiment. So I'm glad Levine's part of the team. Uh, and it'll be fun. We got some other bowl stuff popping besides for Team USA, too. We should talk about sure. uh, Lonzo Ball. But yeah, sure. Any, anything else you got on Team USA right now, Jace? Nope. I mean, you, ba- you basically covered that well. Uh, it will be interesting to see. I think I would agree with you that I think I would probably like. In terms of like betting, I haven't seen like the odds recently. Uh, like I'm sure Team USA is still the favorite, but I mean maybe the odds are a little or a bit a little better value for these first couple losses. But like I mean I could easily see them going against one of these good European teams and just like totally melting down. And we've seen them melt down already in a couple close games. And like today they won by 30. They hit all their shots. They moved the ball better. And maybe they just over they figured out the overwhelm teams and they and they do that. But like I feel like there's going to be a close game. In the in these in this tournament, and we'll, we'll see if they can actually pull it out. Uh, like with and with Book, Booker Middleton and Drew will help, but like coming off an NBA Finals, like I'm curious, just like how much they'll help. Like theoretically, like their skill sets should help a bit with, especially Drew with the defensive stuff on the perimeter. Middleton as well, just as a wing defender, uh, that should that should help. But we'll see how much like, gas they have left in the tank there after this Finals run. And and that's the, about the, it. Yeah. One thing I want to say before we yeah, move on. Is that just keep in mind, like, I think when they played Spain in the gold medal game, I want to say this was 2012, it might have been 2016, they were up like four in the fourth quarter, even with like LeBron and those guys, I think it was 2012. Uh, So they've played close games before, even when they've had their biggest stars, and honestly, they have no excuses this time around, like, they don't have Harden or LeBron, they've never had Steph in the Olympics, they don't have Kyrie. Uh, but with that being, they don't have Anthony Davis, but they should still win the gold medal. Of course, they should go undefeated on this run. But, you know, the rest of the world has gotten really, really good. And it's awesome to watch. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm rooting for Team USA to win, I guess. But what seeing Nigeria pull that upset was like, hell yeah. It's just NBA players too, right? You got Gabe Vincent, Precious Achua. Kaziak Pala. It was hilarious that they were able to beat Team USA with those guys, but it was awesome too. And hopefully that continues to help grow the game globally, as has been the case ever since the Dream Team in 1992. So, uh, just you know, they're going to get challenged no matter what. I mean, their and, first game is against France. Like they could easily lose that first game for sure. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. Uh, anyways, let's talk about Lonzo Ball. Uh, we obviously have talked about Lonzo Ball a lot in terms of the Bulls. There were the t- talks about him at the trade deadline. We've talked about him a lot after that. Uh, a kind of a, I wouldn't even say it's that new of a tidbit, but a new, uh, a fresh-ish nugget today in uh, Sham Train is uh, uh, his column today at the Athletic, uh, talking about Lonzo Ball. Reports that. The Pelicans aren't going to match a high offer sheet. Who knows how true that is? Obviously, at this time of the year, agents and executives are putting stuff out there. Leaks happen for a reason. But uh, he also added that the Bulls and Clippers will be uh, two teams after Lonzo Ball. Obviously, again, we've heard about the Bulls' interest in Lonzo Ball for a long time. The Clippers also, I think I think they've been rumored as well. Uh, we know about teams like the Knicks. I think I saw also Mark Stein mention possibly like the Lakers, a reunion with the Lakers as an option in his uh, new Substack column that he that he has out there. So, uh, but yeah, so some more Lonzo Bull smoke. And we had a question here from uh, Kirk Heinrich. Uh, what's the absolute most money, most money you'd give Lonzo Ball? So I guess we'll we'll just go right to that, Ricky. If the Bulls are looking for Lonzo, and uh, obviously we'll see if they operate as an above-the-cap team, a below-the-cap team. If they're above the cap, they'd have to do some type of sign-in trade. If they're below the cap, that means they'd be moving. They'd have to clear some salary to make it a big offer for Lonzo Ball. So what kind of offer would you be comfortable giving Lonzo Ball? And what kind of offer do you think with, when in Sham's report says like the Pelicans won't match it? Like How high do you think it would have to go to get, to, to get him away? Yeah, so I thought that there was two somewhat interesting pieces in that report. Uh, And, you know, we'll see how how meaningful this is. But I thought it was interesting just coming out and saying that, you know, the Pelicans are not really looking to match a big offer sheet because in that earlier report about Zion Williamson's future in New Orleans from The Athletic a couple weeks earlier, Zion said that, you know, he wanted to keep playing with Lonzo and with Brandon Ingram. could perhaps be more willing to give Lonzo a big extension. So now Shams is coming out saying that uh, that's unlikely. So that's something notable. And then I also found it interesting that the Knicks were not mentioned as a potential Lonzo suitor. The two teams mentioned were the Bulls and the Clippers. Now the Clippers do not really have a ton of avenues towards cap space. I don't think they have any avenues space. They have to like dump a bunch of contracts to do it. Their Luke Kennard extension doesn't even kick in yet. And he's going right. to be making, I want to say, like $16 million a year. Yeah, they, they started when they traded him, they immediately gave him an extension, four years, $64 million, or something like that. Uh, so, you know, sign and trade could absolutely be a possibility. Then I think they would be hard-capped. I'm not exactly the number one go-to salary capital guy, but I, I believe that that would be the scenario if they were to get him. So, you know, that kind of makes you think, huh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I'm sure the market for Lonzo will continue to develop. I believe there's only something like seven or eight teams that have serious cap space heading into this summer. Sign and trade could absolutely be on the table. But yeah, I mean, just thinking about it in a vacuum, what would you want to pay Lonzo? 
I think Mark, who is in the chat right now, everyone go follow the Bulls HQ podcast. Also on the Blue Wire Network, a wonderful podcast. Mark is much more prepared than I am personally as a host of a podcast. But he tweeted something today that I thought was really interesting. Mark was saying, you know, here wh- how he's thinking about Alonzo deal is what percentage of his max would you want to give him? And I think Mark said he'd be, you know, good with like 60 to 70% of his max, which would be somewhere between let's say 18 million and 21 million dollars annually. And to me, if they could get him for 20 million dollars a year for 4 years, I don't I think that that would be a pretty decent deal for the Bulls because this is just sort of like a general NBA observation, but I feel like the contract that usually kills you from a team perspective is a player's third contract. Meanwhile, on a second deal, like Lonzo's still going to be young enough to retain hopefully pretty good value uh, in the trade market. If- I do wherever his three-point percentage is going to be on a given year because, you know, it is something that has sort of fluctuated throughout his career. And he is very reliant on the three-point shot in the half court because he doesn't really have an ability to get to the rim. But what Lonzo is is just sort of that connecting piece who can, uh, you know, swing the ball from a stationary perspective uh, around the perimeter, make quick decisions. I think he would immediately improve the Bulls in transition. He'd improve him on the defensive end. And then, you know, part of being a stationary ball mover is sometimes the ball gets swung to you and you got to shoot it from the perimeter. There were games this year, and I don't have the... ...year, just because uh, he doesn't really have an ability to get to the rim. So Lonzo's a very unique player, given his strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I've always been high on him, dating back to his days at UCLA, and I think that he would be a nice piece for the Bulls to add, no doubt. Like, the Bulls, more than anything else, need talent. Now, if they were going to sign Lonzo Ball, though, I would be looking at it as sort of like an asset-based transaction, as, like, as much or more than, like, well, you know, we're going to pencil these guys into these positions and in three years, when Patrick Williams makes an all-star leap, we're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> no, I would just get him to add talent to the roster. He's young. He should retrain. Tri- he should. Uh, in terms of, like I said, my thoughts on Lonzo, uh, I think I'm right there with you. Like, the $20 million mark is right around there. Sounds right. I'd probably be willing to go, I guess, a little higher. If we're starting to get up to, like, 24, 25, uh, that's probably just a bit too much when we're talking about when he's, like, as you mentioned, like, he does have issues getting to the basket. He doesn't shoot free throws. Uh, like, so that kind of stuff. And, like, so, like, half-court offense is, like, not exactly his thing. He's obviously great, pa- smart passer. The three-point stuff has gotten a lot better. I mean, he took over eight threes per game this season, almost 80, at almost 38% clip. Uh, making those so like I mean that's that's just a that's a really nice leap from the start of his career when he was a really bad three point shooter. I mean he always got up threes at a decent rate, but I mean first his a rookie was under thirty one percent, second year thirty three percent. He's improved basically every year as a three point shooter. I mean just his his efficiency in general has gone has gone up, and his free throw percentage, even though he doesn't shoot that many, he shot a lot better this season, so that was good for him. Uh, I, like it, it really is interesting with that report that you mentioned, like the about the Pelicans not matching. Like, I'm really curious, like, why they wouldn't even just, like, match a big offers. Like, 
it, whatever you keep him around, but then I don't think like he'd be like an albatross kind. Unless, I mean, unless someone signed him to like a max, but I don't think anyone's doing that. So like, especially when you mentioned the stuff about Zion, like wanting him to stick around, it seemed like they had a nice little rapport there. I know the Pelicans were disappointing this season, but I feel like they have maybe some other moves they can make to improve the team and just the general improvement together with some of those young guys. Uh, it, so it does seem really weird that the Pelicans like just wouldn't want to keep him around unless like maybe he's unhappy there. I have no idea. Like, I mean, I feel like he would want to play with Zion. I mean, it's just a, a nice, a nice, a nice duo there. You have Ingram as well. Uh, so, like, I am really curious. Like, what number you'd have to get to to pry him away? Like, is it twenty? Like, or do you'd have to go to twenty-five? Uh, in general, I'd be pro Lonzo on the Bulls. Uh, I feel like the fit there with Zach makes sense, and obviously with Kobe hurting, who knows when he'll be back? But even with Kobe in the lineup, like, uh, as a, th- I mean, yeah, I think he makes sense as that third guard. Uh, and then with Lonzo as the starter, so yeah, I mean, I'd be, I'd be for it. We, like I said, we've talked about it a lot. Um, let's see. Oh, qu- here is another question, from Kirk. And I was actually going to bring this up about uh, Dejounte Murray from the Spurs. Uh, there was some, I think there was like a rumor out there. This I don't, can't remember who reported it, but somebody was saying, I think this is from the Athletics, saying that uh, like him and maybe it was Lonnie Walker or something like somebody, one, some of the other young guys on the Spurs are possibly available. And then I think there was, uh, so I think like Zach like liked a tweet or something like that. It had a picture of Dejounte Murray in a Bulls jersey. So like that, whenever stuff like that happens, people go crazy. Uh, it sets people off. Uh, apparently Zach Levine is friends with him. I have no idea. Uh, I honestly have no idea. Like there's how a connection. Good. They're two Seattle guys. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So like I honestly have no idea like how good Murray is. Like I was looking at his stats yesterday, and they're like. Okay, like I know he's super long defender. Uh, he can't really shoot all that well. I mean, he is young. I think, what is he, like 20? I think he's similar age as, as Lonzo, like 22, 23. Uh, let's see. Oh, he's 20. Dijinja Moore is 24. Uh, he did miss a full season with an ACL injury. Uh, this season put up solid numbers, like 16, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Again, he's not a good three-point shooter. 33% for his career. 32% this season on three attempts per game the most of three point attempts per game he's taken uh so like if i mean if you're looking at possibly he he did really silly sign an extension i don't think it's that like expensive so like he would probably cost less than lonzo i guess uh i had let me look i'm gonna look this only by a few million dollars i got it up right now okay yeah Uh, he's averaging basically 16 million dollars a year for the next three seasons to me what's concerning about murray a little bit is that his uh, contract runs one year longer than Vucevic's deal. So, you know, if you're sort of trying to align everything up with creating max cap space for the year Vucevic expires, uh, also coincides with the year Nikola Jokic is a free agent, just FYI, uh, you know, that deal would run one year longer. Is a player, man, to me, Murray's always been a mystery box, dating back to his days at Washington. Yeah. I- Obviously, you can see the shiftiness as a ball handler, and you can see, uh, you know, his length and his defense. So those are his calling cards. Injury backcourt with him and Levine, uh, if they do acquire him. I would not be super enthused by that acquisition if they were to get him. I would think that it would certainly— I guess, I guess I don't even, like, what would you— what would you trade for him? And I'm like, what would the Spurs give him up for? I mean, again, he's super young. Like, I don't know really know what direction the Spurs are going in, but like, 
I mean, just looking at like, would they? Would you like sign and trade Lowry for him and like yeah, that's, Lowry and something else? That's kind of what I was thinking too. Yeah, that yeah, for sure. And like, and then even like going back to Lonzo, like I would assume at this point, if the Bulls were getting Lonzo, it would probably be through a sign and trade. I feel like that's what the again, because that kind of goes back to my point about the Pelicans. Like, I feel like the Pelicans letting Lonzo walk. Or just like sign an offer sheet and losing him for nothing would be absolutely insane. So like I feel like if they're going to lose him, they would ideally do a sign and trade. And we obviously talked about the Lowry sign and trade with the Pelicans at the deadline. Uh, we talked about that before. Like I don't, I, I don't know if that would really work at this point with what the Pelicans are looking to do. Uh, I had a conversation with somebody on Twitter today. Like they, like they asked about Sato, like like Sato and like some second round picks. Or I guess if they actually did really want Lowry, like Lowry and some second round picks for Lons. Like I have no idea if the Pelicans actually want that, but like, uh, so I'm just, I'm just kind of curious though, like what those teams would be looking for from the Bulls if they if they were to go in like sign and trade conversations. I just got the uh, Shams alert: Kawhi Leonard partially torn ACL, so that clears oh. up the mystery behind that injury. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think that. Uh, Murray would be a talent upgrade. I wouldn't expect the Spurs to just give him away because the Spurs have spent a lot of time developing him as a guy that they've sort of ticketed for success. They were patient through his recovery from the knee injury. So uh, I wouldn't read too much into like Zach liking that tweet just because they are. You know, that that's another one. And then, you know, Colin Sexton may be on the move. The oh, yeah. who were apparently uh, linked to Lonzo now are linked to Colin Sexton. I'm just going to address this quickly. Colin Sexton to the Bulls. Yes. No. How are we feeling? I'll go first. No, we don't want Colin Sexton. <laughs> we don't want to pay him his next contract. Uh, I've always liked Colin Sexton. I did a big feature on him when he was a high school player. Talked to Colin. Talked to his good year this points a game obviously he was on a bad team he was just gunning but uh he's not the type of player the bulls would need next to Levine and vucevic uh i i kind of have a soft spot for him but no we don't want him on the I, I mean i think the issue with him is i mean he's basically kind of like a slightly better version of kobe right now right because i mean yeah. you know like he's not a great passer not a great feel for the game. Like he he did score and like score pretty efficiently this season. I think so. I think like like I think some people might be a little too down on Sexton. Uh, he could be another c- case of like whatever he's getting putting up nice numbers, but on a shitty team. I mean the stuff we've talked about with Zach with Booker. Like I don't think he's on that. I don't think he's on that level at all. But like uh, I mean his numbers do look pretty decent. But like again, like you said, I think the fit just doesn't seem to make that much sense in terms of like I mentioned. I feel like just like not a good enough playmaker like to make that trade like you might as well just stick with Kobe and see if he can turn into what Colin Sexton is right now maybe even better it was I mean I'd probably say Kobe might even because I feel like Sexton's assist numbers are like not good and I know there was a report out there that like players like teammates were not like don't like his ball hogging and that like opponents even like made like taunted him and like the Cavs for him not being like a good passer that like that he was too much of a ball hog so like Kind of weird. So, like, I think he is pretty good, but, like, he's going to be looking for a ton of money. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he's actually going to get a max from anybody. Like, that seems like a lot of money for him. But, like, he's going to be looking for a lot at least. So, like, uh, I have no idea what it would take to get him. Probably, I don't, I don't think the Cavs want to, like, give him away. I mean, the Cavs are in an interesting spot where they have him in Garland. They have another young guy in Nikoro. They have Jared Allen. Uh, they have a high pick right now. Like, but I do think they want to, like, take a step forward with their rebuild. They're, like, they're sick of being trash. 
So, like, I'm not really sure what they're going to do. Like, who knows what the hell's going to happen with Kevin Love? Like, will they try to get Ben Simmons uh, and, like, try to package, like, Sexton? And I saw, like, talk about, like, trying to package Sexton and Kevin Love to get uh, Ben Simmons. And that, who I, I mean, I feel like that just won't do the trick. So, uh, yeah. Like, I would, like, I, I would maybe think of, look into it, maybe just snoop around. But in general, I feel like the, the fit just doesn't really work there. And I want to address the comment from good old number seven in your hearts. Not number seven. What am I talking about? Number 12, right? Number 12, Kirk Heinrich. Uh, would I rather have Lonzo or Lowry? Yeah. Interesting. Well, obviously, like, Lowry's, you know, his elevator is moving down at this point in terms of his performance just because of his age. Obviously, he's had an absolutely fantastic career. Uh, but he is in his mid-30s now. And as a fellow guy in their mid-30s, I can tell you that things start to hurt even when you don't do that much physically, like myself. So, uh, yeah, I would probably take Lonzo. I would probably take him for similar money. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, was, Lowry, I think, would make the team better. I would say Lowry would probably make the team better this season. Uh, but, again, he is young. We've talked about, like, short-term, like, two-year, like, 20, like 40 to 50 million dollar deal for Lowry's so like but like like are you going all in on two years of what like, I mean they'd make he'd make you better he'd be decent for a couple of years and then like what happens after that like I don't really know I mean maybe that would help bridge you to even better talent in a few years so like I think banking on like a longer term play with Lonzo probably does make a bit more sense I do understand the Lowry thing as well if you do want to try to just like go with all in on like being just a, a good fun team for the next couple of years i mean lonzo could do that as well but and then in the and then like two three years on the line the bulls are just like they're good enough where they, they've been a playoff team maybe they won a series or two and then they, they're able to attract uh we'll just throw nicole Jokic's name out there again but uh attract other talent in some other way i don't know it is tough i mean i would take either one i will take i would I, we just we just want to make some actual changes here add some real talent to this to this roster around zach and vooch i will take either zach or either Kyle Lowry or Lonzo Ball. <laughs> no, yeah, the Bulls, they won't there, but I'll take either one. And neither of them are going to put the Bulls in position to be like a conference finalist right. level team, right? Okay. So, yeah, but what the Bulls really just need to do is like add talent. And it sounds simple, but like the fact of the matter is they basically whiffed on nine straight draft picks at the end of the Garpax administration, you know, post Jimmy Butler. You could go down the line. None of those guys are with them anymore. Kobe, maybe they didn't. Being the first pick of the Karnaschovas era. So, yeah, the Bulls just whiffed on so many picks. And, you know, you look at teams like the Hawks, like the Hawks obviously found gold with Trey Young. And then they found, you know, another great player in Kevin Herter in the same draft with the 19th pick. They found John Collins with the 19th pick. Like, you need to hit on those picks. And if you don't hit on those picks, then you got to try to acquire talent and develop talent via trades and via free agency. Bulls have obviously never been a destination for a max level player. They haven't really had a ton of success developing guys from outside of the organization in terms of like turning a guy. I guess Levine would be an example of that, right? Like they got him. He was unproven relatively still a young player. Get him in the Butler swap. And he has become a legitimate all star. Uh, and, you know, maybe next year can even make an all-NBA team. We'll see. That would earn him a lot more money. So he's got plenty of motivation to do that. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, um, just really just wanting them to add talent. Yeah, basically, yeah, for sure. And, and uh, I was 
uh, Scatty's comment. Are we happy with the rookie year from Adam Amin? Yeah, I felt like the Bulls broadcast was so good this year. So much improved. I mean, obviously, with- uh, Neil Funk was obviously Bulls legend. Like, he was the voice of whatever, d- championships and all that. But, man, did he absolutely have to go. I mean, it was really rough. I feel like he dragged Stacey down with him as well. Like, uh, when they first started together, really, like, Stacey was a breath of fresh air. Neil was still, like, all right. Uh, these last few years, I think, have been just, like, miserable. With Neil just, like, losing it. Uh, Stacey, like, trying to hype up bad teams. It was just really rough. Uh, so I think Neil and Adam, I think, were as solid as you could really hope for in their first year together. Yeah, I thought they were good. And I also thought the pregame show was much better, too, with Jason Goff. And just a better product for the Bulls on TV this year, I thought. Uh, I mean, Adam Amin's their biggest free agent addition since, <laughs> I guess, Thad Young, right? If we're being technical about it. Thad was super good this year. So, uh, yeah, we're sort of in a weird spot right now, Jace, in the calendar just for the Bulls because they don't have a pick. Right. Well, they get, hey, they got number 38. But uh. They do have 38. I've of course, I, of course, have many hot takes on who they should take at 38. But, uh, yeah. A like, couple weeks from now, basically. Yeah, and we'll be talking more about that pick uh, coming up. But otherwise, just sort of in a holding pattern. I do yep. ex- expect the Bulls to make – a lot of noise uh, this offseason. I think that they're going to be very active, just given how aggressive they were at the trade deadline last year. They have plenty of, they have like half the rock should turn over. Uh, right now, we're a little quiet on the podcast. We're pretty much just talking about the same things over and over, but uh, we're going to get some news here hopefully soon, Jason. And I expect the Bulls to add, I'm just going to say, five new players at minimum this offseason yeah i mean that's i feel like that's not crazy at all i mean we they kept they barely made any changes last year they missed the playoffs again like there's just like no way ak is just gonna like be like all right we're gonna like bring a bunch of these guys back like obviously there are some definite keepers but like again yeah half the roster i think it would make sense that we'll probably turn over so even if it's something huge like we just talked about some of these bigger moves lonzo lowry guys like that even if it's something huge I think they will absolutely just change a lot of stuff around the margins even. And like, and if they hit on that, whether it's with a second round pick or something, or whether they like trade into the first round somehow, or they just add the right role players around, around the guy, around the Zach and Vooch, like that can make them, that, that can at least make a difference and make them a playoff team. So absolutely. Um, I really got nothing else about the bull. I guess, uh, I guess in terms of second round picks, there was a report out there earlier today uh, about the Bulls' second-round pick from last year. Uh, I don't know how to say. I always get his name on Marcos Simonovic, uh, possibly signing with the team, but I have literally seen, like, no other confirmation of this from any of the Bulls' beat guys. Like, the guy who tweeted it out said that, like, his agent announced it, but, like, I haven't seen it from, like, KC confirm it or, like, any of the, any of the other Bulls' beat guys, like, or any national guys. Like, Woj is obviously tight with AK. Uh, I haven't seen him talk about it. I went to some of like the European sites. I haven't seen anything from there. At least I checked like earlier today. I didn't see anything from there. So like, I have no idea if this guy's actually coming over or not. Like, I feel like I didn't expect it this year, but maybe in the next couple of years, I mean, maybe he will, maybe he will actually be like the Lowry replacement or something like that. I, I wouldn't expect him to be good right away. I and mean, he's young and raw from what I've, from what I've read. I, I'm not all that familiar with him other than he's like a stretch big man. But uh, I guess there'll be something interesting to watch coming up here to see if he does actually sign a contract with the Bulls and if he is actually going to come come from overseas. Uh, I don't know if you 
if you've looked into this guy anymore, you have any expectations on that. But, uh, yeah. So one other nugget we saw earlier today on Twitter. Yeah, bring him over, right? We'll take him as a stretch big man. Uh, had a really good year this past season playing overseas. And, uh, you know, he's a 6'11 guy who can stretch the floor, be a floor spacer. So, yeah, if they could get him for, you know, a couple million dollars a year, one of those exceptions, the biannual exception, whatever it is. Yeah, take him as a floor spacing big, replace Lowry. And we're not going to pin our hopes and dreams on him the way we have with uh, Miritich and some other guys in the past. Add him to the mix, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's basically all for the Bulls. I guess I, well, this Kawhi Leonard injury uh, sucks. I think we thought that like it would be some, that we knew it was something with the ACL, but like the Clippers were super uh, kind of weird about it. And, like he didn't talk and they didn't say anything. Uh, they kind of like kept it open ended, like whether he'd come back. Obviously, that was not going to happen. Uh, and now uh, you do have to wonder like what this means for his free agency. Like I wonder if he's just going to opt in. I just saw Bobby Marks say that he should opt in and extend, I think would be, he said would be the, the play to do, especially now that he's hurting. Who knows when he's going to be back? Uh, I mean, that's a brutal blow for the Clippers. They, to lose him in the playoffs, then he got, that they got so close to the finals. And now he's going to probably be out for the start of next season. So like, that really sucks. Like I've like really will be really interesting, especially with the Clippers Lonzo rumor as well. Like will be re- very interesting to see how they approach this offseason now. How Kawhi approaches this? Yeah, and Kawhi obviously has always had a lot of hesitation about playing a lot right. of games regular season anyway, dating back to his injury with the Spurs. So yeah, I don't really care about the Clippers. Who cares about the Clippers? But I feel for Kawhi personally. Yeah. You know, like Kawhi still he's on the. He's in his twenties, right? Like he's younger than twenty nine or thirty. Yeah. He, he's not that old for sure. Yeah. So like this is his app throughout the postseason this year. Particularly depressing, I thought, just because that would have been a great series against the Suns with Kawhi at full strength. And anytime you're losing a guy who's like a no brainer top five player in the league or top six player in the league, whatever you want to say, uh, just devastating. So. Kawhi, I feel for you, man. Get healthy soon. And, yeah, I mean, from the Clippers' perspective, it's a it's a huge blow, too. Yeah, brutal. All right, to finish it up here, we haven't really talked about the finals at all. After three games, the Suns are up 2-1. to one. Who, who do, you, do you think the Suns win this? Or, I guess, looking at game four is tomorrow night. Uh, do you think Suns go up 3-1, Bucks go, tie it up, and who would you pick to win it at this point in time? So the obvious swing factor in this series is the Suns' lack of size behind DeAndre Ayton. Frank Kaminsky. <laughs> Phoenix knew that backup center was their issue, even going into the season. Yeah. If you remember, they reached for Jalen Smith with a lottery pick uh, in the draft. Now, that came one year after they reached for Cam Johnson, and Cam Johnson ended up being really good. Cam Johnson's been awesome in these playoffs. So everyone kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt on Jalen Smith. And now you can see why they drafted Jalen Smith out of Maryland with that pick. It's because they needed a stretch five. Like, they, that's what they wanted as their complementary option to eight. And they needed a backup center. They wanted a backup center who could shoot, space the floor to give them multiple looks. So the idea behind that makes sense. But Smith, I think, got COVID during the year, and he hasn't played gets hurt in this and they're forced to play Frank Kaminsky. Kaminsky was like minus 13 or something or whatever it was in like yeah, eight, eight. Sure. Uh, and the Bucks are just so big with Giannis with Lopez. How are they going to stop Giannis? 
it really feels like Giannis, the last two games, brilliant performances, you know, 40 plus in each game. When Giannis is used as a big man instead of as a ball handler, and he's like establishing himself down low, no one's going to push him off his spot, right? It's Giannis. Like, he's just a load to handle inside, and only Aiton is capable of. Having an off night, I mean, foul trouble is the big thing with Aiton, right? Yeah. Uh, and he's done really well to defend without falling, fouling throughout most of this playoff run. But uh, I think the Bucks absolutely have a chance. So it mostly comes down to how can Aiton do on the inside against Giannis? And then Holiday and Middleton. Like, for all of the anxiety surrounding the Bucks on Giannis's lack of perimeter skills in terms of his jump shot, his free throws, whatever. And then beyond that, Budenholzer. Everyone always wants to fire Budenholzer. I wrote that column last year. I wanted I thought Budenholzer should have been fired before this season. <laughs> but really what is the swing factor for the Bucks is are Middleton and Holiday good enough to be a number two and another number three option on a championship level team. And Middleton just runs so hot and cold, man. He's the ultimate trick-or-treat player. Sometimes he's unstoppable. Sometimes he sucks. And the thing is that he just gets no easy buckets, right? So every he is, he's an incredible shooter with great size, but he makes his living off tough shots. And he's really the only good um, He's He missed like eight layups or something, I think, in their game two loss. So, uh, yeah. And then, you know, what happens in game three? Holiday sort of goes on a shooting tear in the second half, and they're able to win in part because of that. So if Holiday and Middleton can give them consistently good performances over the rest of this series, and if they can, you know, find a way to get Aiton in some early foul trouble or something, I think the Bucks can absolutely win the series. Giannis is by far the best player in the series. The Suns, who I love, they're a joy to watch. I picked the Suns to win the series. But the Suns would be such a weird champion within the history of the league because they don't have a top 15 player in the entire league on their You know, Michael, where does he rank 50? Whatever, who cares? But they don't have anyone who's even close to Giannis. And Giannis is the type of star that typically, historically, carries NBA teams to championships. Giannis has been absurdly awesome over these last two games. I mean, it has been sick watching him go to work. Uh, yeah, you, you know, comments saying he's getting calls like Prime LeBron. He's also getting fouled. He's getting hit because no one can say like Yeah, he is in, first of all, he's getting those calls because a lot of times they're intentionally fouling him. He yeah. set him to the free throw line because he's a bad free throw shooter. Last game, he hits 13 to 17 from the foul line. So Giannis rules. Uh, he gets slandered so much, but Giannis is the man, and he has truly taken his game to a championship level, to a historic level over the last two games. It's been awesome to watch. The support he deserves because variance in their play to put it kindly throughout this playoff run so jason i think you asked me like 20 minutes ago when i started answering this question <laughs> who do i think is going to win the finals i'm still going to say suns and six because i think the suns are a more complete team but fuck Giannis is the best player in the series so i'm kind of rooting for the bucks i don't know i don't care i don't <laughs> rooting I, I mean, i'm good with but both i would teams. love to see Giannis do it yeah yeah i mean i i've as a greek Greek, I, I support Giannis winning. I bet Suns in seven before the series started. 
I'm sticking with Buns, Buck, uh, Suns in seven. I do kind of, th- I honestly think just like the home team might win every game this series. Like, it, I feel like the would probably a decent chance the Bucks tie it up. Uh, and then, like I said, we go, go to seven games. I think we're probably destined for a long series. The Bucks have been way better at home. Uh, obviously, last game was a total blowout. You mentioned just like Giannis has, has figured it out coming off that injury, too. Like, it uh, looks like his season was about to be over. And then he comes back early before anybody expected. Kind of took game one to round into form. And now he's just absolutely dominating the last two games. Will he be able to keep it up? Will Middleton and Holiday hit enough shots to overcome the Suns? Just like real solid. And that's their starting lineup we've talked about is just really, really good. I, like I said, I would, I would, I think, I don't think so. So I think it's going to go to seven. I think the Suns win in seven still. But I think it should be a really fun series I, I, with Giannis back. I think pretty evenly matched teams they're pretty different teams uh i think it's a really fun finals i mentioned this before we when we did the finals preview like i think it's a really interesting finals even with all these different players in it i know some people complain about like some of the uh, uh bigger like markets or bigger stars not being in it i mean Giannis is obviously a huge star cp3 his first finals great storyline there's been a lot of great basketball in these games so far so uh hopefully we got another good game or hopefully game four is good uh and we'll see how it goes so yeah Cool. Uh, Rick, any final thoughts here? We should probably wrap it up here. We've been going for a while. Wrap it up. All right. Uh, Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for the comments in here, as always. Uh, We got a couple weeks until the NBA draft. We're doing July 13th right now. So uh, I think it's July 29th. We got one more week of the finals before that's over. Uh, And once, obviously, the finals are over and we get into draft season and we get into uh, the actual off season, like th- we'll start picking things up again. Things should hopefully be exciting. Hopefully there will be a lot of rumors as we just talked about the bulls, hopefully being active. Uh, so hopefully that does happen in the next, in the next couple weeks. So we'll really start picking up, uh, for us here at cash considerations, a Chicago bulls podcast, as always shout out to the blue wire network, uh, shout out, go listen to our bucks and sons pods. We got the Euro stuff. We got the timeline as they talk about the NBA finals and go check out all the other great pod, NBA pods across the blue wire network and all the other just great pods in general. We got a ton of great pods, blue wire blowing up all this good stuff, making moves to Vegas. Really cool for us here at cash considerations. Please rate and review us. You know where to find us on Twitter to give us feedback. I'm at bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SDN underscore Ricky. Uh, we are on, our pod is on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all those places. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about. Give us feedback, like I said. So we will talk to you guys next time. Uh, again, some cash considerations. Ish Hyrule's podcast. This will be up later on our feed. Talk to you guys next time. Enjoy the finals and all this good stuff. And all the end rumor seasons. Picking up. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.